Today is our last uh, sermon in the Holy Spirit series, in a way, in a, this way, because next week we start the book of Acts, which is all about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit did in the church in the beginning of the church. And I'm really excited about preaching that. My anticipation was, as it was coming up, that as we start those Wednesday nights and as we start the book of Acts, it'll be with us coming back together and this behind us. But I want you to know that God worked in difficult times then. Remember, they were hiding in the upper room. And I think that as we look at Acts, we're going to see a lot of similarities to what we're dealing with today and that His Holy Spirit is what caused the church to explode in difficult times. God's at work today in our church. He knows what's going on. He knows how to respond and He will lead us. Now, I'm a guy that Jeannie and I like the beach and I like playing in the waves. And uh, the older I get, the waves need to be a little smaller than when I was young. But when I was young, I didn't have a healthy fear of the waves. And I'd go out and I remember being in the Bahamas with my parents and being out in waves that were as tall as me. They were six feet tall. And I'm riding them, you know, surfing them. And I just felt like a little scary. Ooh. But I, man, I could handle it. And I'm hitting those waves and I'm, I'm body surfing and it was fun. But every so often you'd have... There's two different currents when you're playing in the waves. You've got the push of the wave, but then you've got the riptide that pulls you back into the wave. And sometimes that riptide is so strong that it pulls you into a wave awkwardly or pulls you into a wave that you'd rather not hit. They don't all come in at the same size. They don't all come at the same time. They'll sometimes catch you unaware. Sometimes you'll get tumbled and you'll, you'll try to get up and recover, and right away, another one is pulling, it's pulling you back and knocking you up again. That excitement has changed for me where I still play in the waves, but now they're half the size. I'm not interested in getting out in a wave that I feel like I can't handle. But there's something else that I want you to think about and I want to use as an illustration for our sermon, and that is the general current in the ocean. There's a current in the ocean. Did you know that? Even in lakes, oftentimes there's a current, like in Lake Michigan, where you can be standing out in the water and playing, and all of a sudden you look in and you start it out in front of your chairs. Jeannie and I are playing in the waves in front of our chairs, and pretty soon we're 100 yards down from our chairs. How in the world did that happen? How did we move from, I mean, I didn't feel anything. I was fighting the waves. I was, so now you start fighting back to your spot so you can see your stuff while you're playing in the waves. But there is this undercurrent that is constantly pulling you. I would argue for our purposes today that that's what the Holy Spirit is. And it's more powerful than you know, moving you in troubled waters. Bringing His will. And many of us fight against that. Many of us can. Like we can fight against what the Spirit is doing in our lives, what He's convicting us of, what He's pushing us to do. And little did we know that He was pushing us all along. Some of us, I think, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to look back and realize, oh, the Holy Spirit was pushing me through all of that mess. Maybe you feel like, God, where were you in 2021? Didn't you know that we announced G2G? 
Didn't you see our plans? Didn't you take those into account? And we'll see one day that it was God that was pulling us by the power of His Holy Spirit through those times. John and John, in John 3, verses 8, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he talks about the Holy Spirit like wind. You don't see it, which is interesting because the word for spirit and wind are the same Greek word. That wind that blows and, and you can see the results of it and sometimes it's strong and sometimes there are times you're out in the wind and you have to lean into it so it doesn't knock you over. Sometimes it's gentle. And just like that, the tide is like the Holy Spirit. Our passage today in John 14, verses 16 and 17, is going to tell us that the Holy Spirit is a great gift to us. It's a great gift to us that some of us may have failed to recognize in our lives. Some of us may have failed to submit to in our lives. Letting God move us where he's choosing to move us. The first thing I want you to see in this passage in verses 16 and 17 is that the helper is given to us. So let's read the passage, John 14, 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even though the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is getting ready to leave, and the disciples are discouraged, and the times seem all wrong. This isn't what they expected. This isn't what they wanted. This isn't what they signed on for. And their worlds are really being tossed about by waves bigger than they can control. They imagined by leaving their nets, leaving the tax booth, leaving their businesses, and leaving their homes and walking with Jesus for three years, they imagined that that would turn into financial reward, renown. I mean, if this is the Messiah, if they believe that he's the Son of God, surely this is going to turn in a, in a King David kind of way where David comes into his own kingdom and all of a sudden they're going to have positions of power and tonight they are finding out that that's not going to happen. And their world is upside down and not one of us can really understand how disappointing this night is, how depressing this night is for them. Judas has just left, and they're finding out that Judas is going to betray Jesus? He kept the, he kept the coins. He was the, he was the most trusted of us. What in the world is going on right now? And Jesus says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to ask the Father that he will give you another helper. There's going to be a current in your storms this Holy Spirit that is given to you is going to give us another helper. The first thing that we can see from this helper that is given to us, that it is a, a remarkable gift. The Holy Spirit who gives life and sustains and sanctifies and teaches and, and gives us gifts and causes growth intercedes on our behalf in troubled times and draws people to God, 
He glorifies Jesus. Those are the things that we've been looking at over these past weeks. This powerful Holy Spirit was given to us because Jesus left. And so remarkable is that moment in John 16, 7. This promise was so significant to the disciples that in John 16, 7, it says that nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in tandem, and they are doing this redemptive work in the world, in, in us, starting the church. And Jesus gets to the end of his ministry, and he says this remarkable phrase, it's good that I'm leaving, because if I don't go, I won't send the Holy Spirit. And I tell you that because I want you to know Jesus saw his, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives as being so significant that it's better than if he was here with us still. Now, I can tell you that I have lots of people in my life have, who have influenced me for the good. And I could list off names. Name after name after name. I'm not a guy that is self-made. I am a guy that has got people around him that have poured into significantly and helped me understand and helped me grow. And if I tell you the truth, in most cases, I grow better in the context of people when people are with me encouraging me. I think of accountability partners or people that have helped me work out and people that helped me run. Running on Saturday morning with Jim when I run with him or working out with Rick or being with the elders and going through this, it gives me confidence. But I can tell you as one of the elders, and I think all the elders would agree with me, it would be very nice if Jesus was there in the room with us. Because I'm voting with him every time. In fact, I'm going to probably lay low in the weeds, which is hard for me. I'm, I'm a talker. I'd probably lay low in the weeds till Jesus talks, and I'd be like, ditto. What he says. How can it be better that he's leaving and the Holy Spirit is with us. This gift, is it really that good? That the Holy Spirit with the elders, with our church, with us at home, with us through illness, with us through difficulties, that that's more significant than Jesus being in the room with us? Well, Jesus said it, and I've got to say ditto, right? I agree with him. This is amazing that the Holy Spirit with us, given to us, is so significant that the trade between Jesus being with us in person and Holy Spirit being with us in our hearts and in us and guiding us, that current is more influential. Now, I have to confess that Jesus, when he was on the planet, was finite which means he would come to his disciples and only be with them sometimes. If Jesus was still on the planet and showing up to an elder meeting, I think that would be a really beautiful moment. But there's lots of elder meetings and lots of churches. He would have to pick one. The Holy Spirit infinitely fills us, empowers us, builds into us, guides us, teaches us, encourages us. The Holy Spirit was sent to us by Jesus as a gift so significant that it was more important than when he was here on his own. 
the helper is given to you. Now you'll notice that if you're looking at my three points in the bulletin, that I lead with the helper, the advocate, and the comforter. And then I follow each by a prepositional phrase, is given to you, is with you, and is in you. But the helper, advocate, and comforter are the same Greek word, interpreted to mean not just these three, but many. And as we move from the helper being given to you, I want to look at that word paraclete that Jesus used specifically on that night with his friends. It's used in scriptures here for, for the Holy Spirit and then in 1 John. And we'll look at that in this second point. The advocate is with you. Advocate and paraclete. Now paraclete is, two, is a joining of two Greek words. Para, which means from, and kaleo, which means to call. To call alongside. And in classical Greek, this was used before Jesus' time, before Jesus used this word the way he did, it was used for lawyers. Someone who's close enough to your story, someone that comes to your cell, someone comes to your position and then represents you in court. That was a paraclete. And now Jesus uses this and uses it significantly and changes the use of the word so that it's made English translators scratch their heads. How do we capture this word paraclete, what Jesus meant? Which is why I use the three words, the helper, the advocate, and the comforter. The advocate, the part where he is our defender, has a picture of him coming into our troubled times and being able to speak wisdom. When Jesus uses the word paraclete, it seems to be speaking and teaching and guiding. Actively involved. And maybe you raise your hand and say, well, I've been walking with Jesus for 20 years. He's never talked to me. Well, look at the shore and see how far he's moved you. Consider the current. One day, we'll know for sure what he was doing in our lives. But today, we look with faith and we see that the Holy Spirit has been moving us. Sometimes I took credit for what the Spirit was doing. Sometimes I gave credit to others what the Spirit was doing. But the change in my life has been because the Advocate came to my cell and fought for me, breathed life into me taught me, opened up the scriptures for me. The kid who didn't get good grades, and when they asked me, can you teach? And I said, I don't know. And the first time I taught, people began to respond, do I take credit or does I give credit to the Holy Spirit? I give credit to the Holy Spirit. He uses me, and I'm still shocked that he uses me. I don't understand why he uses my words, but the Holy Spirit, when I am submitting to him, uses my words and teaches me in my study about the word of God, and I can see things that he wants me to see so that I can give them to you. How much has the Holy Spirit influenced our lives? He's all around us and at work in us as Christians. He advocates for us. 
this coming alongside, the with you, is close beside, infinitely beside. If you look at the passage, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, advocate, comforter, to be with you forever. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. When Jesus promised at the end of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, I will never leave you for, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. When he makes that promise, it's because the Holy Spirit was coming and will be with us always and never leave us. He will be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. This gift that's given to this advocate comes to those who have received Christ. It is in tandem with the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not something you can purchase. It's not something that comes in a bottle. It's not something that you can encourage somebody towards. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus didn't get it. He didn't understand Jesus said, I'm ta- we're talk- he said, we are talking to you about things that you can't understand. There should be a remarkable difference in the way the church responds to COVID than how the world responds to COVID. It should be marked by peace and grace and love and kindness and gentleness Because the Holy Spirit is at work in us, giving us the character of Christ. And if we aren't, then we're swimming against the Spirit. Trying hard not to change. The advocate is with you. With you in all of it. Grieving with you groaning with you, interceding for you, teaching you, comforting you. He's given to you forever. The advocate is with you to continue the work of Jesus. Finally, the comforter is in you. You'll see that at the very end of verse 17. Jesus makes a point of using these prepositions to describe just how close it will be. You will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The comforter is in you. The paraclete, as comforter, here's the words that are used from different versions of the Bible to describe this word. Helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, Strengthener. There's really not limits to what Jesus was trying to describe, what this comforter was going to do. But the incredible comfort is, imagine being in the water and you have a wave that's pulling you out. The riptide is pulling you out into the wave and then the wave tumbles over you and knocks you down. Anybody feel knocked down in the last year or two? Anybody struggling? The comforter is in you 
is that you can do what Jesus did. You see Jesus in the storm as he's going towards the cross. And as he's going towards the cross, he's calm and confident and quiet. Those are things that don't come naturally to me. Calm, confident, and quiet. And he's calm, confident, and quiet when they're interrogating him and bringing false accusations against him. He's calm and confident and quiet when they're beating him with a whip till his back is raw and tattered. He's calm and confident and quiet as they put that beam on his back until he can't make it any farther. He's calm and confident and quiet as they seem, the world seems to be in control of his life, but he rests in this undercurrent that God is at work in all of it and he will bring me home. And if you know anything about the waves, the people who die in a riptide are the ones who fight against a riptide, right? When you're in a riptide, you let it bring you into the next wave and go under the wave and ride the next one back in. You work with the current. Well, I don't know about the troubled times, but I'm telling you as far as that undercurrent that I'm talking about of the Spirit's work in your life and my life, rest in it. God is sovereign, God is good, God has given us his Holy Spirit, and our comfort comes when we trust him. Our comfort comes, not that we can't all acknowledge that these are difficult times, not that we can't all acknowledge that having our Savior go to the cross is horrible. And if we take a vote, nobody wants it until the Spirit guides them through it and shows them the value of going to the cross. The Holy Spirit is a comfort who is in you. We can rest. We can stop fighting. God is at work in us in these times. The world is around, around is, is struggling against these times and they're angry and they're frustrated and it's easy for us to listen to the news and it's easy for us to listen to each other and get so irritated and so angry that people don't understand what we want to say as if if we get a little louder and a little angrier, maybe we can change the direction of what's happening. And I would argue that we need to look like Jesus and that we need to let the comfort, comforter comfort us. Trust him that he's at work in these crazy times. But they don't understand. Could be one way we could pray. Or we could pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, give them grace. Father, save people. Use these times by the power of your Spirit and use us. What does it mean to submit to the current? Shortly after Jesus says this, Scriptures begin to be written about grieving the Holy Spirit. There seems to be Christians who are not filled with the Holy Spirit and some who are. Well, what does that mean, not filled with the Holy Spirit? Does that mean some got more of the Holy Spirit and some didn't? No, some are fighting against the current always. They're demanding their rights. They're sure they've got it. They're sure they have to take 
back control and get it taken care of. I need to cheat on my taxes, Father, because I don't have enough money. Maybe you don't pray that out loud, but that's what you mean. I need to yell at my wife because that's the only way I can make things fair. If I'm not loud, she won't understand. I need to keep control of my world because if I rest, if I trust, who's going to take care of me? And as we don't put our faith in the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, that He is moving us towards the character of Christ and towards being a family that comes together and fights through these things together, as we don't allow ourselves to rest in the power of the Holy Spirit as we work through these times, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we leave, we fight against Him. If you go back to that beach, I can tread water and stay right where I am with my chairs. Or I can let the Holy Spirit move me. And the difference where the illustration falls apart is that the Holy Spirit is moving me to something better. I know it because he's my comforter, he's my advocate, he's my helper, and he's an extension of what Jesus did on the cross for us. I can trust him. So how do you submit to the current? The first is trust. You need to trust that he's your helper, that he's with you, that he's in you, that he's alongside you. And when you trust him, it looks like resting, being a little more quiet, watching the news and not letting anxiety run away with you. Make a statement to God that I trust that you have me still. Maybe in a relational conflict, everything's ramped up and maybe the Spirit is nudging you towards peace. Are you willing to rest and let Him move you towards peace? Reading God's Word Ephesians 6 tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and oftentimes we think of that in terms of something that's against the evil one. I use the Word of God in battle when I'm fighting against the evil one like Jesus did in Matthew 4. And that's absolutely true, but it is also true that the Spirit of God is teaching us in the context of the Word of God. The Spirit of God, we are taught, reminds us of the things that Jesus said, teaches us about the things that Jesus said. And as the Word of God is written and we study it, the Spirit of God works in tandem with that and we understand what is from God because it is in line with what the Spirit, what the Spirit gave the, the apostles in the beginning when He wrote the Scriptures. So when we look at the Word of God, we are fueling the Holy Spirit's ability to teach us. And when I begin to study and meditate and memorize God's Word, through the day it's being reminded, the Holy Spirit brings it back to mind. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in, my fa- in me. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's where the current's taking me. But the waves, the waves will never thwart God from bringing us home. Do you know that? Prayer. You know, prayer doesn't make the Holy Spirit stronger. Prayer causes us to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is actively working in our lives and it builds faith. Prayer aligns us with what the Spirit is doing. God invites us into a relationship with Him and as we talk to God, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and uses His Word to teach us and we trust Him more. And our lives are radically changed. All of us have stunted growth. All of us have fought against the Spirit. All of us have been interested in other things besides His Word and prayer. And I'm telling you that if we want to flourish in these times, we need to pray, we need to read God's Word, and we need to trust Him and rest in the power of our Comforter. Well, Jesus used this passage with an apology to those at the back. Jonathan, I had this in the second point and missed it. John 14, 26. Let's start with John 16, 7. Put that back up, please. In each case, you'll see the word helper here because this is the ESV. That word is paraclete. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Paraclete. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now John 14, 26, Jesus is speaking to those who are going to write scriptures. It is unique to them. But it is absolutely a promise to us as well as we read God's word. They heard directly from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit took the testimony as first-hand witnesses and caused them to be the writers of the Word of God so that it could be used in our lives. So that Jesus' quotation of Deuteronomy could be true, that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. How is he going to encourage? How is he going to comfort? How is he going to advocate on our behalf? How is he going to help? He's going to tell us about the Son. He's going to bear witness of him. He's going to be the Spirit of truth to us. Finally, in 1 John 2, 1, another place that this verse is used, this word is used. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, he will have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous. He'll have a paraclete. Is Jesus the paraclete? Or is the Holy Spirit the paraclete? In 1 John, Jesus is the paraclete. The Father is the paraclete. The Son and the Spirit, all three, the Trinity, the Godhead, bring to bear what is absolutely good for us. As the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he's testifying about what the Father and the Son has done. You've seen that the Father and the Son have sent him. They decided before the beginning of time that Jesus would come and advocate for us in a way that our sins would be taken care of and the Spirit would come and bring us to life and turn this to good and sanctify us. As we close out the Holy Spirit series and move to John, it was my heart from the beginning to preach Luke and to preach Acts. And I want you to know that what's happening right between Luke and Acts, this is just a few weeks before Acts begins. This is just, well, Acts is about to start and the church is about to explode. But at this point, people are, by their own admission, the disciples don't understand They're arguing, they're messed up, they're struggling. If I can have a sit down with Jesus right now before he leaves, I probably would have said, the plan's not working. You picked badly. They're a mess. If I could have a sit down with Jesus today, I might be tempted to say, the plan's not working. We're a mess. We're dividing over silly things and angry over things that would grieve your spirit. But it wasn't the people alone that built the church. I believe that God is going to build the bridge with us. And he'll do it in a way that only he can get the glory. I think the harder it is, the more I sit back and rest in the current and see, okay, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to use this for your good? To advance your kingdom, to bring glory to your name. In the 1400s, the shippers who were now heading to a new world, coming out of Portugal, identified that there were trade winds and trade currents. And when they shipped along with those currents, they were not only faster, they were safer, and they were far less frustrated. I would have hated the ship in the 1400s. In a wooden boat out on those seas? Are you kidding me? And yet they understood, they had a word for it, as they, in Portuguese, that, that, that I can't pronounce, so I won't try, but it was for those winds and those currents. And the part that I want you to see is that working with those currents, no wave could bring a ship across the ocean. No riptide can, I mean, it can barely get you back to the wave. 
before it loses its power and turns the other direction. We see these troubled waters. We don't see the currents. But you know what the currents do? It brings these huge ships across the ocean and deposits them thousands of miles away. That's the Holy Spirit. We may look at the storm and we may look at the waves and say, the waves are stronger than the Holy Spirit. The, the riptide stronger than the Holy Spirit. I'm here to confess, I'm here to proclaim that the Holy Spirit is far more powerful than any wave this world can send. And he'll bring us home. I hope that you walk in the Spirit. I hope that you rest in the Spirit. I hope that you trust that the Spirit is at work even today, especially today. And that as surely as Jesus could rest and trust and confess his faith in his Father, I hope we can do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending our paraclete, Jesus. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to be with us and in us so closely and so in tune with your Son that it's the same as abiding in Christ. Have your way with us. We surrender to you today and we trust you. Would you lead us by the power of your Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.